Okay. Hello and welcome everyone to the first quarantine edition of the Room 214 podcast. I'm your host, Vinny Greco. My guest today is Sarah Smith, psychology teacher at North Broad Prep School. Sarah is a veteran teacher who is beloved by her students for her compassion, empathy, and her experiential teaching style. Her students can often be found roaming school, conducting experiments, having dialogue with experts in the field of mental health, wellness, and psychology, or meeting therapy dogs and their owners. These approaches are exactly what John Dewey had in mind, and I often find myself jealous of your students for all their amazing experiences that they're exposed to. So with that, Sarah, welcome to the show. Oh, wow. What an intro that was. Thank you so much. That's so sweet. (laughs) No, no, it's absolutely, absolutely the truth. And uh, I definitely feel like I've had um, my nose plugged on more than one occasion to like taste Skittles. And I'm like, that immediately leads to so many different <laughs> questions for so um, fun. And we're, we're, we're totally we're totally going to get to that later in the show okay. so um so here in our quarantined uh our our mobile com- command centers here in Deerfield Beach uh Sarah's actually my neighbor a couple streets over uh yep. Sarah for for those of uh, of us who maybe haven't heard the show before where I usually start is um dying to know how people decided to become a teacher so uh, as you join us here, um, you know, where, how, why, like what inspired you to become a teacher? So I guess um, it's actually in my blood. My father was a music teacher for 40 plus years at the same private school where I went, my whole family went. And No, uh, no way. Yeah. Third generation. Wow. Yeah. Oh so he, um, he kind of started it and then my Mom was also a teacher before they even met. So she taught first grade and preschool. My sister was a teacher. So it's, again, I think it was just a genetic, you know, hereditary focus of my life. So (laughs) So I I did like having my summers off and my dad did too. So, you know, that's kind of a nice byproduct of this, of this job. So I feel like, I feel like one of the things that teachers like the behind the curtains aspect of teaching is our colleagues who have children, Mm. you know, like they just get it right. Like, do you feel like you were predisposed to becoming a teacher based strictly on hearing it all the time? And, and just like, I, I definitely think I was, I think that people, um, you either have that natural ability to teach or you really have to kind of find it. And I think people uh, like you and a lot of the, the teachers at our school just have that. They have that knack. They have that ability to just create and, and take whatever they've experienced and put it back into their teaching. And I totally think that's what it was. Yeah. And the willingness to connect with people and, and yeah. to some degree, to some degree, you don't have to be an extrovert, but to some degree, you got to turn that on. Yeah. yeah that's, really, that's really well said. So we've been in quarantine now for a few weeks here. What what activities uh, have you undertaken personally? And then what activities, like, what are for you? And then what's for you and and your daughter? And, like, how do you, like, find a balance in this crate? We're living history now. This is, like, insanity. Like, how do you strike that balance know, right? between for you and then what is for you and for, for Chelsea? So my number one thing that I did, like the day one from this whole entire situation was develop a schedule. I am a scheduled person. I've 
if you think about it, we as teachers have been and former students have been on schedules our entire lives. And I just needed that kind of schedule knowing what I was going to do, when I was going to uh, teach, when I was going to have a snack when I was for her and, you know, like just, you know, when we were going to exercise and when we were going to walk and when we were going to go for a bike ride. And I just needed that. And I think she needed that structure too. I mean, in her daycare, they have a schedule for the entire day. They, mm. they go out at a certain time and they eat at a certain time and they play at a certain time. And, you know, I, I mixed up the education stuff. Like we have you know, education time in the morning, and then we have craft time, and then we have, you know, um, dance time. And so I kind of mix that up to kind of give a, give me and her some structure in sure. my day. So sure. Yeah. yeah I yeah, think yeah. having that, that structure for not just her, but for all kids brings them a, a level of safety and security, knowing that they know what's going to happen next. I think that's kind of what's so hard in this whole situation is that we don't know what's happening. We right. don't know. We have this fear of the unknown, you know, and I think that's what's causing us to really panic and freak out. And, you mm -hmm. know, we're seeing such a, a, a range of behaviors of people today, um, right. you know, right. from complete and utter selflessness, like literally risking their lives to save other people. And then we have people that hoard millions of dollars worth of masks. I don't know if you saw that on the news of this guy who hoarded all those masks in New York. Did you yeah. see that? Yeah. I saw that. I saw a guy who he bought Clorox wipes and hand sanitizer and toilet yeah. paper, all these things. And yeah. I think it was in like Tennessee and, and yeah. they actually prevented him from selling stuff, which is like good on them. But um, yeah. yeah, I cannot imagine, you know, like there, there are, cha there are a host of challenges for everyone, but Mm -hmm. um, with, with little ones, uh, it's gotta yeah. be that much harder because you have your full-time job as a teacher, you have your full-time job as a parent, but then you yeah. are also, you have to teach your kid how to, how to be a human and yeah. to learn. And, uh, and so it's yep. like you have three full-time jobs. So, um, yeah. you know, with that, let me at least, let me at least ask you about half of that. How would you say, you know, as you've been, you've been in education for a long time, uh, how has virtual learning gone thus far? Um, what are some What are some bright spots? What are some challenges you've had? Um, how are you adapting? How are your students adapting to virtual learning? So my number one thing is that I am so grateful to be in a school that has such amazing resources and and tools that can be handed out to these kids. And you know, I look at all those kids from. Other schools, you know, we're all on these Facebook pages with other teachers and, you know, some of them are saying like, we don't even have, you know, they just have their phones. They don't have anything else to work with. And, you know, and they, they're not even that motivated. We, we, I, I personally am lucky that I teach the, the high of the high, the, the highest motivated, the selfless, you know, the ones that they want to take my class. It's an elective. They don't have to take my class. So they are motivated. Um, and that's really been helpful for me because they still want to learn. They still want right. to engage. And so psychology is such an interesting course of study. And unfortunately, not every school in the country can offer it. So mm -hmm. for certainly not every high school. So firstly, how did you become a psych teacher? And what in particular 
drew you to psychology? So when I was a freshman in, in college, I was a business major. I took micro and um, failed it. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I probably should change my major. So okay. be because of the gen eds that we had to take, one of them was Psych 101. And I'll never forget my professor, Mr. Hen, Professor Hen st stood up on his desk and held, held this brain, like a live, not a live, but a, not a live human brain. It was a, um, what are those brains that are in the things with the, you know, the, they're like floating brains, but he like took it out and it was, um, you know what I'm talking about where those brains yeah. are? Yeah. yeah so yeah, he absolutely. took it out and he was like, this is, this is your, this, this is the machine of your body, of your mind, of your heart. And, and he just was so interactive and so focused on just getting us to really love and learn about psychology that he, he really made an impact on my life and my, my ability, my decision to change and become a psych major. That's so, incredible. So, yeah. so that, so that kind of prompted your, your studies in psychology and mm -hmm. in the, in high school, you know, I, I took some courses like child psych or adolescent psych, but we're talking like, this is like, Oh, four, Oh, five. That's awesome that your high school yeah, offered that. Yeah. And it was great. Uh, definitely integral to me becoming a teacher. I feel like my, my teacher was incredible, but so That's for those awesome. of, for, for those like me who either don't remember everything we learned in psych or, or maybe didn't have the opportunity <laughs> to take a psych course, um, what yeah. are some of the major themes you discuss or you study in this course? So I would say the number one is all about the brain, neuroscience, um, the anatomy, how neurons communicate, how we are basically our brain and everything that we, you know, I always ask the kids, how do you see? Do you, and they're like, with our eyes. No, you see no. with your brain. Hmm. How do you that. hear with our ears? No, you hear with your brain, you know, and it's, Everyone's like, why do, we, why do we have to learn so much biology? I said, because everything psychological is simultaneously biological. And they're like, uh, okay. You know, and then yeah. we, we just get into the whole conversation about you know, the different parts of the brain and all the different uh, neurotransmitters and how they affect you. And so the biology of the brain and all of that is definitely one of my favorite chapters. Um, that is, that's something I would definitely take for granted. Yeah. Uh, just like and the I'm kids would have. I'm super excited that um, Bradley's going to be teaching neuroscience next year. So that's, that's a whole new course that mm -hmm. we're offering, which is really, really cool. Um, I would say behavior and cognition are my other two. Like uh, social psych was a course I actually taught a couple, I, would ta I probably taught that about 10 years ago. Um, I loved teaching social psych and the kids love social psychology. Um, you know, the main reason why I love this class is because the kids learn so much about themselves. They learn about how other people treat them and how they are affected by people. Mm. Um, and I have a lot of, um, not a lot, but I have a lot of former students who become psychologists. It's really cool to be in a course where you can then develop a career, a career from versus like sure. not all history kids become historians, not all right. math kids become mathematicians. So I'm very, very fortunate to have a career where I can give kids I, kind of a, a, journey, a path towards becoming 
a psychologist. So right, and it's and it's not just that, but it's definitely a career that it, you know it's not about money; it's about helping others and and yeah. So that's really that's really powerful. Yeah. Uh, I, I chose two careers that have no that have no uh, monetary support whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Teach, teaching and psychology. Teaching yeah. and counseling. Yeah. yeah. So but hey, uh, you get paid by the fields. You get, paid, that, by you get paid by the fields. Is exactly <laughs> right. So um, obviously, in in teaching AP psych, right, like in that course, you, you want your kids to do as well as they can on the exams. But there must be some truly like macro goals you have for your students as far as they can use things they can use in their own life. So outside of those expectations of preparing for the AP exams, what do you hope for your students to take away from the course? Um. I think the, the main awareness that I want them to have is to be advocates. I want them to be advocates for mental health. Um, that's one of the main reasons why I take my kids to the mental hospital every year is, you know, a lot of people are like, why would you even bring them there? Isn't that kind of a break of confidentiality or, you know, unethical to see patients? And, you know, initially you feel that way, but at the same time, the that trip is very eye-opening for a lot of these kids because um, they see they're now able to see these mental illnesses come to life I mean we used to be able to interview some of the patients there and they would be able to talk about how they ended up in this hospital and boy was that a powerful moment um, yeah. I think you know, being educated on mental health and and understanding that, for example, ninety percent of our homeless population are suffering from mental illness, and the reason why they're there is because they can't sustain a job, and if they can't sustain a job, how are they going to make money? And you know, a lot of them actually are able to work and uh, have somewhat quote-unquote normal life depending on the severity of their illness and I think a lot of kids today don't realize that you know I hate to say reducing the stigma but we do need to kind of understand that mental health is something that we need to be aware of just as much as physical health you know so especially now (laughs) absolutely now of all times right and I, and I feel like, you know, that's going to lead me, you know, and this kind of just organically went this way. I have a question that, that I was going to bring on later, but now I kind of want to, I want to attack it now. So like in terms of mental health and, and discussing mm-hmm. it, like in a, in a broad sense, how does it play a role in our society? And, and how do you try to get that aspect into the course, just like discussing mental health and, and making it a priority? So The number one thing that I do, not just with my class, but with my peer supporters and my psych club kids, is understanding the need for positive coping skills Mm. and educating themselves on, you know, the importance of self-acceptance and social-emotional intelligence and and personal awareness. Um, I think if we started our ability to understand our emotions and our, you know, develop emotional intelligence at a younger age. Can you imagine what a world would be like? I mean, Mm. look at all the people that are developing addictions or, you know, coping in such negative ways. It's because first they weren't even comfortable accepting their feelings and then feeling the feelings. You know, I think we we've come a long way when it comes to 
feeling and understanding our emotions, but we still need to, to kind of break that, um, you know, I hate to say the stigma, but there is, it's becoming more accepting of people to express themselves. But as long as you're able to express yourself in a positive, constructive way versus destructive, I think yeah, that's I, really the focus. Yeah. Yeah. So. I think, I think people uh, having empathy for others, no matter what, what's going on with them. And, and I mean, I know it seems like, you know, stigma might be somewhat cliche, but like trying to get rid of, you know, some of the, it almost seems like a, you know, a scarlet letter of sorts, you know, and, and making, and making that not the mm -hmm. case anymore and really uh, normalizing that it's okay to feel X, Y, or Z or to be diagnosed with X, Y, or Z. And I, and I think having right. empathy right. is really important. Um, so in terms yeah. of mental health, in, in, how can schools uh, model the importance of, of maintaining our students' mental health and for um, you know, being good stewards of uh, you know, being showing empathy, and how can schools play a role in that regard? I think the number one that thing that schools can do is have practical expectations, not overestimating and not over. Um, you know, these high achieving students are already feeling those expectations from themselves or from their parents. And I think we need to kind of focus on the kid as a kid and not just as the student. I think we need to look at the kid as a whole. And that's why I really liked what Tanya said this year about the student-centered approach. Um, I think a lot of teachers are kind of having you know, they believe that their, their subject is the number one. Not all teachers believe that, but a lot of them do. And I think they get caught up in, you know, pushing the kids to do the work that they need to do, but also having really high expectations. And, you know, when you were in high school and when I was in high school, it was a totally different world to what the kids are doing today. I mean, mm -hmm. these kids are so overworked and so I mean I feel like so many of these students not now as far as the quarantine but before the quarantine started I think mm -hmm. a lot of these kids were so high stressed and that was their norm like yeah, I heard from some students that were like I'm not stressed does that mean there's something wrong with me and I would be <laughs> like no <laughs> yeah. that's what that's how you're supposed to be <laughs> right, 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 right. you know um but i think they come from this environment that is so competitive and so um you know such high expectations that they realize that they they're you know and right now being able to take some of that <sighs> off of them like with all of their extracurriculars not happening I've heard so many kids in these last two weeks say, I now have time to really engage in my learning. Mm. And to me, that that's really what it's all about, if you think about it. I mean Right. It seems like to some degree it seems like to some degree like our 16 and 17 year olds are, they're already like in this rat race. Right. And then it doesn't end when they get to, it's not just about getting into the college and they get to right. college and then, and then they stay on the hamster wheel. And, yeah. and I think, 
you talking about practical expectations, I think that's just, that's something so simple, but yeah, um, but could be really really meaningful if we all yeah. have a little bit of a shift. So, um, what are some ways that then families, right, like within households, what are some things that families can do? Uh, to promote mental health and wellness in their everyday lives uh, for, their, yeah. for their kids, for their family units in general outside of school? Number one is communication. I mean, as a former therapist and who worked with multifamilies, um, I mean, look at the reason why people go to family therapy. That is because of a lack of communication. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to communicate with your kids. You have to set some, stru- develop structure, have certain, you know, moderate expectations. Um, and even something simple like have dinner with them. You have the time now to eat with your kids. You have the time now to play games with them, um, develop a new hobby. I mean, I think this is as horrible as the situation is, you kind of have to look at it as look at what's happening in our world today. Families are becoming so much closer. They're engaged so much more in each other's lives, which can in some aspects be a little bit daunting, but at the same time, it can be really cool to kind of get to know each other on, you know, on this level. Um, right. We, I do we see, feel- I think there still remains, um, you know, a silver lining when, you know, just in our own neighborhood, you see families biking together, walking together yeah. and yeah. our social medias are all blowing up with it. It just seems like really, um, meaningful family, uh, powwows, right. That yeah. Are, I mean, that are really, I am, really cool. I, I would never have been able to see my child grow and change if this wasn't happening, I mean, I, she would be in daycare all day. I mean, I would see her for two hours a day. Right. So yeah, that, that is definitely a benefit. So, so when we do get back to school, whenever that is, uh, hopefully sooner than later, um, you know, in my time at North Broward prep, I've been subject to, uh, some student experiments from your class. (laughs) And as aforementioned, I've, I was asked to eat Skittles with nose plugs in. So like what kind of experiments are you doing with your classes and, and what are some of the reasoning uh, or rationale behind those experiments? So the experiments that, um, well, unfortunately we, ha- we don't really have the time now to do it, but um, in the past we've done a lot of different ones. Um, after the AP exam, I actually take my kids over to the lower school and we do some really cool experiments with the little ones. Um, so that's always fun because we talk about Piaget. I don't know if you remember any of the Piaget. Piaget, baby. Of course. Yes. From child yeah. psych. I remember. Uh, the, um, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Like the conservation one where you pour the water into the, the smaller, fatter glass and then the tall, skinny one and some of them will say like that has more when really they have the same. So we do all those fun experiments over there. Um, in the past, they've done some cr- pretty cool social psych experiments where they stage different uh, scenarios where they have people, they kind of videotape people who um, should help. Like if you're in a large group of people, it's called the bystander effect. And we talk about like, if you're in a large group of people, you're less likely to help because 
uh, people have what is called diffusion of responsibility where they think other people will help. But if everybody uh, thinks that way, then nobody helps. So oh we test God. the, yeah, we test the bystander effects. We test nonconformity. We test, um, I had a kid many years ago. She, um, a couple kids did different things. One of, she put a baby uh, carrier on the top of her car and had a fake baby in it. And she drove off. <laughs> And then her friends recorded to see how many people would react and flag her down. And um, Oh my goodness. Another kid went like this in the freezer at Publix and like was in the freezer and just didn't move. And then a friend kind of recorded people to see if they responded. And I mean, there's like kids would drop wallets and kids would drop money and kids would fall with groceries and they would see who would help. And Mm -hmm. So those are a really fun. Those are different types of experiments that I love seeing. Um, I, I would love to be a fly on the wall with some of the discussions <laughs> and reflections that oh. take place after that. That'd be really, yeah. really great yeah. to hear. Uh, uh, I know some of the, one of the other things you're really proud of uh, is the work you do with the psychology club at school. What are some of the activities you and your students undertake and what are some of the objectives you hope to achieve? So going back to that advocacy part of learning and, and with my students as well as my club kids, I think when we have the National um, Alliance of Mental Illness or National, it's the NAMI walk that we have, I think it's National Alliance. Um, that's to me one of the most powerful days because they, I had about 20 kids come on that walk and to raise awareness and educate themselves about mental illness. Um, is is really again my goal for not just my psych club kids but for all my students um and every single one of those kids has been affected by something relating to mental illness and i think having angel miller as my you know angel she is angel is uh, her name is fitting for who she is i mean she yeah. literally yeah. is an angel from heaven um and she's <laughs> she's been doing so much for my club and peer support and boy, I'm going to miss her. I still miss, I actually am meeting up with my peer supporters this week cause I miss them and I want to make sure they're okay. Yeah. Um, but she like that club, we do a lot of like awareness with bullying and awareness with uh, eating disorders and awareness with stress management. And um, I'm very lucky to have such amazing kids to work with outside of my classes, so. Yeah, 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 Angel's a great one, and, oh. and I know the work you do is really, really important, so, and, and I, I kinda, I, I have a guess as to what you're gonna say right now, so my last question <laughs> before I let you go is, what are you missing most about school? <laughs> Definitely my colleagues. I mean, I miss seeing them, I miss seeing my students. Um, I definitely miss John and James, our little, uh, my office mates. I miss them a lot because <laughs> I miss having my office <laughs> mm -hmm. because that doesn't happen when you have a 19-month-old running around. Um, but I definitely, number one is missing my colleagues and students. Um, I've, luckily, I get to see them once a week and some more than once a week, but it's been, um, that's definitely been the hardest part is not being able to talk with them just not about school but just in general and i'm mm. sure you can relate to that 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. We we've done many a Zoom session just to be together and Good. you know and Good. and then to see and to see our students is also really 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 valuable and important because that's what we do it for. That's all the time we have for today's show. I want to thank Sarah Smith for finding the time to chat with me while juggling her teaching and her parenting responsibilities. It's really so cool of you and it was a blast spending this time together. I know your students are thankful to have you and miss you and your class so much. On the next episode of the Room 214 podcast, I'll sit down with the coordinators of North Broward Performing Arts, including theater coordinator Tiffany Lutz, music coordinator Liz Corcos, and dance coordinator Lisa Anderson. You can listen to the Room 214 podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or SoundCloud, and you can also find other original content on my YouTube channel called Mr. Vinny Greco. Thank you so much for listening. Please continue doing your very best in quarantine. Please stay happy, stay healthy, and as always, this is Vinny Greco wishing you peace and much love.